Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. I'm like a car. My fuel is fear. If it doesn't scare me, I don't do it because I know greatness is on the other side of fear. Can I get it? Oh, yeah. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to the Enterprise Now podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. In this episode, I talk with Mr. Paul M. Newberger, the cold call coach. Paul is a speaker and trainer who believes in making the impossible possible. In this conversation, we talk about the pros and cons of entrepreneurship. We talk about success, fears, drives, and mindset. Here is my conversation with Paul M. Newberger. All right, Paul. Can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. First of all, Paul, thank you so much. You are my second guest in the lovely Serendipity Labs in Podcast Town. So thank you for your time. It is very lovely in here, by the way. I'm enjoying my time at Podcast Town. I've heard a lot of great things. Thank you. Hopefully it smells nice and clean. It does. We try to do a good job of cleaning up. I think I almost passed out based on the Clorox (laughs) smell wafting out of this. It is pretty strong for sure. Honestly, these are crazy times and I try to do my best to make sure people are healthy and safe. So yeah, outside of seeing double and losing my sense of smell, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. (laughs) The very next question I like to ask is, tell us about yourself. Now, Paul, when I say that, feel free to go all the way back to when Paul Newberger, I'm sorry, Paul M. Newberger, very important, made his debut or you can start more current day. Tell us about yourself. So when I made my debut, like when I was born? Yes. So it was a dark winter night on December 13th, 1980. I'm not going to bore you with that. (laughs) Well, yeah, you and I have been buddies for a while, so we know each other fairly well. But yeah, I'm one of these guys that my life motto is, let's make the impossible possible. If it is not hard, I don't want anything to do with it. If it is not challenging, I don't want anything to do with it. I get up early every day. I'm up between 3 and 3.30 a.m. every single day. And Yes, I am a glutton for punishment, but for me, I'm just drawn to things that are tough. I'm drawn to things that are challenging. I'm drawn to things that a lot of individuals have written off and put in the dustbin of history. It's impossible to cold call, they say. Oh yeah? Watch this. It's impossible to talk about faith on a secular business platform like LinkedIn, they say. Oh yeah? Watch this. It's impossible to teach somebody how to instantaneously differentiate themselves within six seconds of walking into a room. Oh yeah? Watch this. So I'm drawn to things that are hard. I like to build things. I like to create things. I like to invent things. 
My only regret is there's only 24 hours in a day. I'm already 37 and a half years old. Life is going by here really, really quick. There's a lot of stuff I want to do. Because at the end of the day, it's only impossible until somebody does it for the first time. And I can't make enough impossible things possible fast enough. That's what drives me. That's what motivates me. And that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Gotcha. Now, help me understand this because typically people are drawn to the path of least resistance. But for some reason, you're not wired that way. Was it because you were born on that cold winter night that some, some, <laughs> the wires got crossed or why are you different? I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe because my parents dropped me on my head six or seven times as a youth or something. I don't know. And I don't even know where this initiated. I do know in high school, because I used to be smart in a previous life, you wouldn't know what to look at me, but I was in a lot of AP classes when I was in high school. And AP government, we do a lot of debates. And let's just say there's a debate about the abortion issue. We're not going to talk about that now, but let's just say that we were debating that. Even if, if you got 16 kids in the class, even if all 16 agreed on one side and I agreed with it, I would proactively go on the other side because I thought there was something sexy about one versus 15. I like being the third wheel. I like going against the grain. I like swimming upstream. I like challenging the status quo. I like punching conventional wisdom in the mouth because could you imagine if everybody just went through the path of least resistance? Could you imagine if George Washington did that? Could you imagine if Abraham Lincoln did that? Could you imagine if Steve Jobs did that? You're not on the precipice of greatness unless it's hard. Because if it was easy, everybody would have done it. It's easy to send emails. Good. It's easy to do posts on social media. Fine. If you're very, very good at something that's very, very easy, what competitive advantage do you have for yourself? And I think I just found out early that if I want to be successful, if I want to touch lives, if I want to make money, and if I really want to have staying power long-term, I got to get very, very good at something that's very, very hard. Hmm. Interesting. So that leads me to wonder, entrepreneurship is hard. What makes you successful as an entrepreneur in terms of your mindset and how you approach it? You know what else is hard is breathing in this room with all this Clorox fume. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Just kidding. You know what's interesting, Elzina, and I talked about this with somebody else earlier today. My parents had a lot of toys for us, as most parents did. And when I was growing up, I never really played the board games that were already created, like Monopoly, Go Fish, or whatever that is. I never played that. Rather than playing the games that already existed, I made up my own games. I would get these football helmets, and I would play Packers versus Bears, and I'd make up the rules, and there'd be dice. Next thing you know, it's this big, huge endeavor based on statistical analysis. Like I just always had to go my own way. And one of the things I like about entrepreneurship is I get to create. Take an organization like Pepsi. Somebody said, hey, Paul, I heard your podcast on Podcast Town with that knucklehead LZ. Boy, you did pretty good. We'd like you to be the CEO of Pepsi. Well, I mean, you probably make a lot of money, but I would much rather be the startup of a new soda company that is just coming on the scene than Pepsi because Pepsi's already arrived. I can't really leave my mark on Pepsi. I really can't mold it. I really can't shape it. A new startup soda company, I certainly can. I just, I like building, I like creating, I like inventing, and I like leaving my mark on things. And I think as an entrepreneur, we get to do that all day, every day. And what a blessing that is. Mm -hmm. So destination or journey? I've never arrived anywhere. So journey, okay. for sure. That's a very good question, by the way. Boy, for once you ask a good question. Nice job. <laughs> it's interesting. Maybe you can relate to this because uh, I know you're a sports fan. Gosh, what is it? Now that I start having kids, I don't watch sports as much anymore. But when they had CC Sabathia, remember that was like, like 2008, 2009, something like that, whatever. And they made the playoffs for that first time in forever. I was born in 82, which is the last time the Brewers made the World Series. So the joke is 
they made the World Series the year I was born. The next year they make the World Series is the year I die. So I was, <laughs> Brewers, I hope you lose in the playoffs, you know, kind of thing. But it's interesting, all this excitement, all this anticipation, this playoff run and everything else. And the Brewers finally made the playoffs. I remember I was folding laundry, of all things, in my apartment at the time. And I just remember sitting here going, they made the playoffs. Is that it? I didn't feel anything. I was happy, but it's like, ah, uh, all that buildup for this? Mm-hmm. No, for me, it's all journey because I've never arrived anywhere. I create a company. Good. How do we make it bigger? I made a decent amount of money. Great. How do I make more? We came up with this innovative solution. Great. How do we do that again? For me, it's all journey. But if it's always destination, once I get there, I'll be happy. Once I achieve this, I'll be happy. Once I succeed in this, I'll be happy. You miss all of the buildup. You miss all the anticipation. You miss all the fun stuff that gets you there. So no, for me, it's always journey because I'm never going to arrive anywhere. I don't even have a destination, I don't think. Got it. I would tend to agree. I am the type of person where the second I achieve it or accomplish it, I've already figured out the next step or the next goal. So I definitely get that. But let me ask you now. I know you ask the questions, but I admire you and I respect you. So I'd love your thoughts on this. Okay. Is that a problem? Don't you think Elsie Flanard should appreciate the destination once in a while? Or, or is it just you get there and you're always moving on right away? So there was a commercial. I believe it was Emmett Smith that just won the Super Bowl. And they showed him celebrating. And then about a second later, he's like, all right, now let's get to next year. So I think that's kind of me. I try my best to celebrate the small wins along the way, but I'm very focused. And like you, I enjoy the journey. And it's almost like the destination is the side effect. It's like you'll get there if you do the right things during the process. So I don't think about the destination as much. I don't think that's a problem. Maybe so. Maybe I need therapy. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you need therapy for other reasons, my man. No, but I wanted to hear that because I had a feeling you were going to answer that. And that gives me affirmation because sometimes I feel like an odd duck. And it's interesting you mentioned Emmett Smith. So I own several companies. So the COO of Newberger Enterprises, for lack of a better term, is a guy named Gary. He's been with me for a couple of years. And Gary and I know I am never satisfied. And that can be a blessing because if you're never satisfied, you're always pushing. If you're never satisfied, you're always doing, you're always creating, you're always trying to get better. And It's hard not to be a success when you're never satisfied, but it's a curse because my personal life isn't all that fun. I say that in all due sincerity. I work a lot. When you're never satisfied, you're always, I could do better. You're always kind of challenging yourself, pushing yourself, punching yourself in the face. I don't take a whole lot of time to pat myself on the back. I can't think of a whole lot of times where I said, Paul, you did a good job today. Even after this, I mean, I'm going to crush it on your podcast, obviously, but even when, obviously, <laughs> of course, but, but even when I'm done, I'm going to say, ah, dang it. I left too much on the table. I wasn't witty enough, funny enough. I didn't deliver enough value. So one of the things that Gary had sent me recently, it's ESPN classic, a football life with Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi is a lot like you and I in this regard. And there was home video footage of this when Vince Lombardi was the Packers coach before he went to the Redskins after a victory, if they were in Green Bay, he'd have a big party in his house. And there was home video. This was absolutely fascinating. So after the victory, everybody's at his house and there's home video footage showing this. He's the life of the party. He's making people laugh. He's hugging people. He's rubbing elbows. He's playing with his putter and everything else. But what's interesting is after about 45 minutes of the party, the same home video footage shows him stoic, shows him off in the corner, shows him looking serious like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. And one of Vince Lombardi's family members says, yeah, that's when dad started thinking about next week. He only celebrated the victory for about 45 minutes and then he went into next week and nobody wanted to be around him because it's game time. I think that's you. I think that's me. And I do think we need to enjoy life a little bit, but I'm not going to apologize for that because I think that's what makes us successful and makes us good. Mm -hmm. I've gotten better over the years at balance and I don't define balance as equal. If that makes sense. So for me, an hour of focused 
kid time weighs a lot more than eight hours at work, if that makes sense. So I try to be intentional about those times and those moments, but I get it. I work a lot. It's how I'm wired. But I think being aware and being intentional about setting aside those times is, in my mind, the best that you can do because anything other than that is not who I am. Well, and what I would add to that is two things. One, when you said you work a lot, I'm going to correct you on that. I don't think you work. And what I mean by that is if you love what you do, you can never call it work. It's obvious this is a passion for you. It's obvious this is a calling for you. This is a vocation. I mean, you were born to do this, man. And I mean that in a good way, obviously. And I get that a lot too. I mean, I own four businesses. I'm the president of a fifth. I hate it when people tell you what you should do. Paul, you should relax more. Paul, you should take more time off. Paul, you shouldn't do... You don't walk in my shoes. You don't know how I feel. And just like somebody blows off steam by going golfing or somebody blows off steam by sitting on a beach, I blow off steam by working because you know what? I love what I do. I love everything about it. And if you gave me a choice, it's a Saturday. The kids are gone. The wife is gone. I got nothing on the calendar. Paul, what do you want to do today? I don't want to binge watch Netflix. I don't want to sit around and eat a hoagie sandwich and watch the Packers play. I mean, I'll do that in small chunks. I want to work for nine hours because I love what I do. So I think that's a hallmark to you and a testament to you because you found your calling. But the other thing is too, I've got three small kids as well. And I agree with you in the sense that it's not quantity of time with your kids. It's quality of time with your kids. And when I get home today, I mean, I've got a later call today. I'll have about an hour and a half of time with my three kids before they start going to bed. And people say, that's it? You just spent an hour and a half with your kids? Yeah, but it was an hour and a half where I was present. The phone's down. I'm not multitasking. I'm not checking email. It's an hour and a half of dedicated time. I'm there. I'm present. I'm in the moment. We're having a good time. I'll take that hour and a half of quality time with my kids versus five hours of me physically there, but checking my phone the whole time. You figured that out. I figured that out. We just need more people to figure that out. Yep. Question for you. Now, I know... All of the journey is exciting and fun and focused. What part of entrepreneurship is your favorite? Like what piece of it makes you say, this is living? You can't say the whole thing. No, and I wouldn't. No, because there's a bunch of things about being an entrepreneur that suck. And I thought that's where you were going to go. And I was going to start getting answers ready for that. But (laughs) the things that make it great is the limitless potential the limitless opportunity. So let's just say I'm a landscaper. If I'm a landscaper, I can work so many hours a week and I know how much I'm going to make every single hour. There's not a whole lot of wiggle room. I'm going to make about the same amount of money no matter what I do. And I'm kind of locked into that. I love waking up every single day and knowing I can make a million bucks today. You never know. I mean, it's like Christmas Eve. What am I going to get today? How much money am I going to make? Who am I going to be talking to? What developments are going to happen in my organization? Rather than being an employee in the landscaping organization and being kind of boxed in, not a whole lot of room for opportunity or growth in terms of what your financial situation could be, I want to own the company. I can create it. I can build it. It's a blank slate. I just need to open that window and run through. So I love the limitless potential. I own the future. I can make it whatever I want. And because I trust myself so much and have so much confidence, the fact that I can author my own story, easily the most exciting part. Okay. Which part sucks? The risk. The uncertainty. Now, I'm a former financial advisor, as you know. So without risk, there can be no reward. So that, that's something that I take. If you want a guaranteed 25% rate of return and never put your money at risk, go see Bernie Madoff or somebody else that's doing a pyramid scheme because that's the only way that's ever going to happen. But if you're prepared to take the risk, if you're prepared for an uncertain future, if you're prepared to hopefully take a little bit and turn it into a lot, you do have to protect yourself. Or you do have to accept some of that downside risk. And what sucks is I'm not guaranteed to make any money today. I'm not guaranteed to have these opportunities in my pipeline come to fruition. Well, I don't have anything else to fall back on as an entrepreneur. If this doesn't produce, I mean, that has devastating consequences. For me, that drives me. Fear, 
fear for me, and I think fear for a good entrepreneur, fear can be one of two things. Fear can be a limitation. And I think most people, unfortunately, use fear as a limitation. They'll only go as far as the boundary of their fear. As soon as they touch it, they recoil. As soon as they touch it, it zaps them and they go back five feet. A true entrepreneur, somebody who's going to be a very successful person, both personally and professionally, they can't operate without fear. I'm like a car. My fuel is fear. If it doesn't scare me, I don't do it because I know greatness is on the other side of fear. Just think about it. If you've got 100 people in a room and you say, all right, whoever wants to come up and do a public speech for 20 minutes, whatever, you're going to have 95 people that say, I don't want to do that. So it's just me versus five now. It's not me versus 100, it's me versus five. So if you can use that fear, recognize that fear, embrace that fear, go through that fear and emerge on the other side of that fear, just by the virtue of natural selection, you're going to be in a better spot. So if it doesn't scare me, I don't do it. Got it. So educate us about something for about two minutes. If I'm an entrepreneur, I'm listening to this show. What would you teach me that would get me over the hump to, as you said, embrace my fear? Boy, one thing. Hire Paul Newberger as your coach, first and foremost. (laughs) He's very inspirational and he has a lot of good tips. Yes, do that. But no, one of the things that I would probably say is anybody who's an entrepreneur, anybody who's serious about growing a business, starting a business, monetization, you got to be on LinkedIn. It is unbelievable. Maybe you feel the same way because you're good on LinkedIn. You really are. And there's not a lot of people like you in that regard. So many people... They're on LinkedIn, but they're not. You know, they're physically there, but they're not using it. They're not embracing it. They're not going deep with it. So one, be on LinkedIn, but don't just be on it. Be purposeful on LinkedIn. And I'll, I'll give you one quick example. Since I'm on two minutes, thank you very much. What I would say is you have to engage with your audience. It's not size. It's not quantity. It's not the quantity of your followers. It's the quality of your relationship with your followers. And it's tough for me. I got 30,000 followers and growing. So it's tough to maintain a very good relationship with that many people. Here's my tip. Start engaging with them and start engaging with them the minute they accept your connection request. Either they connect with you or you connect with them. doesn't matter. One of the things I do every single night, and this has transformed my business. I just started this a couple months ago. It takes discipline. What I do every night before I go to bed. And with 30,000 connections, I'm getting 50, 60 new followers a day. I mean, it adds up quick. Every night before I go to bed, I have this standard message. Basically says something like this. Good evening, LZ. Thank you for becoming a connection with me on LinkedIn. I'm eager to grow the relationship and follow your content. As a token of my appreciation, I want to give you a complimentary chapter of my new book, The Secrets of Cold Call Success. Feel free to download that. I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you very much, Paul. So they hear from me right away with a nice complimentary message, and I give them something of value. For me, because I wrote a book, it's a free chapter. For somebody else, it could be whatever, a complimentary review, a free assessment, whatever you can offer somebody of value. I can't tell you how many people respond to that message within a few minutes. Wow, Paul, thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate this. I'm going to download this. I look forward to staying in touch. Now they're looking for your stuff. They're engaging with your content. And oh, by the way, several people have purchased books as a result, even though I wasn't selling it. Be on LinkedIn, engage with your audience, and engage with them from the minute they start connecting with you. Awesome. Thank you. So one last question before I let you go. And I think this really ties into our conversation today. We're talking about entrepreneurship, the passion, the focus, the good parts, right? And the parts that aren't so good. What inspires you? When you wake up in the morning, what is that thing that really just pushes you to be great every single day? Well, the first one we kind of talked about already, I'm just driven, as I said, I'm driven by making the impossible possible just to show what a human being can do, just to show what a human being can achieve. But I'm not driven by that for my own purposes or my own glorification. I do that to glorify God. 
And I just believe that God has richly blessed each and every one of us, yourself included, because you've got a lot of talents and abilities and you're utilizing them, I think, in the right way. God's given us all such unique gifts. For us to take those gifts and squander them, to take those gifts and not utilize them, the way you show thanks to God for the gifts that he so generously bestowed upon us is using them and not just using them for your glory, using them for his glory. And that motivates me. Because again, you don't have to be a faithful person listening to this, but you got to know who you are. You got to know what you believe. You got to know what you stand for. And for me, it may sound weird. I don't have any fears per se. Like I'm not afraid of snakes, spiders, public speaking. Like I don't want a King Cobra here right now. Like that, that's not going to be fun, but I'm not scared of anything. The closest thing that I'd be afraid of, and I'm not even afraid of death because death is a part of life. And as Christians, that's what we know. That's just the next chapter. The closest thing that I'm afraid of is when I die and I look at God in the face and he asks, what did you do with the talents and abilities that I gave you? Well, God, I made a lot of money. Well, God, I bought a nice house. Well, God, I had a lot of nice cars and a private plane. That answer is not going to satisfy him. What did I do to touch lives? What did I do to make this world better? What did I do to bring others to him? So that drives me. And I know that I'm running out of time every single day. So for me, it's how many lives can I touch? How many people can I inspire? How many people can I encourage? How can I create wealth through our cold call training, not just for me, but for other people? And how can I show people that with God, all things are possible? Awesome. One of my mantras is changing lives through enterprise. And to your point, it is absolutely glorifying to God when we do what we were designed to do. So thank you for being an inspiration and for being who God created you to be. I'm inspired by you. I'm watching you grow and just take off. So congratulations on everything. And I'm looking forward to watching it blow up even more. No, I really appreciate that. Let me just say one more thing, LZ, because this is your show and I don't want to take up a whole lot of more time. But <laughs> you know, one of the other things is too, and I don't know if you've ever felt this way. If you did, I'd love to hear about it. When I first got into the cold call arena as a sales trainer and public speaker, I would look at other sales trainers and public speakers as my competition. So I didn't talk to my competition. I didn't collaborate with my competition. I didn't engage with my competition. Plus, I was resentful. Somebody else posts something, I'm like, ah, oh, that jerk. I, I can do so much better than that. One of the best decisions I ever made, in addition to spending time on LinkedIn and growing my brand and engaging with my audience, was collaborating with other people like me, like you. Matt, you are one of the better decisions I've ever made. I mean, you're helping us at the Star Group, opportunities like this today, plus we're friends, which is a value in of itself. But last night, gosh, I reached out to two influential leaders, public speakers, people that run sales consultancy businesses. They were both extremely gracious. Yeah, Paul, I've been following you for years. I'd love to collaborate. What can we do together? You leverage these resources. You leverage these talents. You grow together. We're all in this race together. There's so much more that makes us similar, that makes us different. And if you want a real competitive advantage, collaborate with other people, grow with other people, compare notes with other people, challenge other people. And my career really took off when I started reaching out to individuals that were in my space. Can you relate to that, LZ? Of course. Yeah. I think part of it is just being confident, knowing that what you're called to do is going to draw the people who are meant to for you to serve and just being confident in that and just being really, really, really good at what you do and being genuine and authentic. And I think to your point, the people you are sent to serve will be served by you. So there's no reason to be intimidated or envious of competition because in essence, my only competition is my goals. So, yeah, and that really kind of speaks to, I had a lot of image problems growing up. I was the, the skinny kid. I was so skinny. I thought I was like a Somalian refugee that just hasn't eaten in a couple months. And I remember I wanted to start going to the gym. 
just to start beefing up a little bit, just to start getting more athletic. And I remember the first time I went to the gym, it was traumatic for me. And again, I believe everything happens to you for a reason. I mean, I got these scrawny little, think of like Screech from Saved by the Bell. I got these scrawny little arms and I'm pumping like my two pound grandma dumbbells. And what comes in behind me? Like I see all these people like around me and I'm like, what is going on? I turn around, this Arnold Schwarzenegger guy walks in. This, you could tell this guy was a professional bodybuilder. For 15 minutes, I put down my grandma Screech dumbbells and I'm looking at this guy and all I'm doing is comparing myself to him. I'll never be him. I'll never be that big. I feel horrible about myself. Why did I come? I left. I didn't go back for six or seven months. I then had to finally realize, to your point, my only competition is myself. When I go to bed at night, am I a better version of myself than when I woke up? Elsie, you're in a different lane than me. For me to compare me to you is apples to oranges. I don't know your background. I don't know your philosophy. I mean, I do because we're friends, but we're just in different lanes. You got to stop comparing yourself to your competition. You got to stop comparing yourself to other people, to other organizations, to other companies, because everybody in life is running their own race. The only thing you can do is compare yourself to you. And as long as you're making incremental progress and you're working towards becoming the best possible version of yourself that you can, that's success. Absolutely agree. Now, the old saying goes, time flies when you're having fun. It applies to this conversation as well. I thought I just sat down. (laughs) The Clorox smell is still in here though. But before I let you go, Paul, I don't want to miss the opportunity for you to tell people how they can reach out, how they can ask questions, how they can connect with you and learn more about what you do because you do a lot of different things. I do. Yeah. So I'm easy to get a hold of because I'm a workaholic insomniac and I'm always on my email. So I'm an easy guy to get a hold of. But yeah, I mean, the best way to learn more about me, to get a hold of me, to start a conversation with me is by going to my website, which is just simply Paul M. Neuberger, N-E-U-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. That's really the one-stop shop. I mean, I'm involved in C-Suite for Christ, Young Guns, Cold Call Coach, Star Group. I mean, there's so many different things that I'm involved in. That's kind of like the central hub for that. But anybody that's interested in a motivational speaker, cold calling, sales training, just wanting to be the best possible version of themselves, we've got a lot of different options there. And again, I'm passionate about what I do. I love talking to people. I love solving challenging problems. And and if we can help you in some way, what a blessing that would be. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Paul. I appreciate it, brother. A lot of fun. Okay. So folks, here is a special, special thank you to all of my listeners, all of the enterprisers who have listened to the show throughout the last four years. As you know, this show is the finale. It's the last show of the Enterprise Now podcast. And it's kind of bittersweet because this is a podcast that I've run since 2016. So it's bitter to see it come to an end, but it's sweet because there are other things, other passions that are coming on the horizon that I am so, so excited about. So thank you guys so much for being supportive and rocking with us this four years and talk with you guys later. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.